Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Jenkins. That's J-E-N-K-I-N-S. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Jenkins. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 and over age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the Volume Podcast Network. It is Thursday, November 2nd, and we didn't have a countdown today for Amazon Ant, which is messing me up, Jackson. Uh, Jackson? You have to count us into the podcast every time now. Just you want me to count you down from five? Yeah, do it now. Just do it now. Yeah, just do it now. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm like weaning you guys off of it. Okay. Okay. You ready? You ready? This is our five, methadone. Four, three, two, one, and we're live. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones. Leave that whole thing in, please. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the Volume Podcast Network. It's Thursday, November 2nd. Uh, we got a lot of big news and fun stuff to talk about today. 
including rehashing some old arguments thanks to some new evidence that has been presented to us mm. on the internet. Very excited for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to be talking about it. But first, as always, Jenkins and Jones, hosted by Dragonfly Jones, a.k.a. Tyler. Hey, everybody. Have a good one. Lizethro Jenkins, a.k.a. John. What's up, Bubba's? I'm Gardy B, a.k.a. Mike. Motherfucking Mike. Motherfucking Mike, coming to you live. Motherfucking Mike. And produced by the lovely and talented Jackson Saffon. (laughs) (laughs) My goal is to keep adding intro elements until one day all we do is just get on and record the intro for 30 minutes and then say bye and then that's it. <laughs> say bye. You've, we've yeah. success, <laughs> successfully either you or we have successfully made the intro fun. We hated the fucking intro starting yeah, off. We used to just hop it was the worst shit. part by far. We would that argue That was why I suggested to y'all that you do the the uh, white people voices because I know that nothing makes you guys happier in the <laughs> deepest part of your heart than <laughs> It's one of my few joys in life, absolutely. I won't disagree. I won't disagree. <laughs> is it, like you said, you hated doing the intro, so the goal was, how do how do I get it so that they get to do the white guy voices and say motherfucker in the intro? And then as soon as that happened, now we're good. You know what I mean? Nah, we're looking forward to it. It starts to show off exactly how it always should have started off. Um. All right. I think this podcast was universally of the opinion that James Harden had run out of wiggles. Um, and it turns out he had an emergency stash of wiggles in the closet in case of an emergency. And he successfully wiggled his way, uh, not only out of Philadelphia, but for like the third consecutive time, fourth consecutive time to the exact franchise that he wanted to go to. James Harden is a clipper. Gentlemen, your instant reaction to the big trade. I, I just, you know, we, I, I thought that, you know, KG gave us something profound saying that you don't get infinite wiggles, but I feel like we might need to do some recalculation or some recalibration on the wiggle theory now because this motherfucker, bro, he gets what he wants every time. It's remarkable, honestly. Um, you know, we all thought that this was perhaps the time where it was like, nah, you might have to rough this out. The market's not there. You stunk it up in the playoffs, bro. Like, you know, it's, it's really not a good look. And, and that's what the Clippers were saying. Like the Clippers were drawing a hard line at Norman Powell, bro. Like that's how low this dude's stock was you know norma's but, a bucket though nigga yeah, i don't yeah, know that's a line to draw you feel me yeah yeah but um and terrence man and they did keep man too so um Good. but but it was like bro like i think a lot of us were just kind of like i don't know how this is gonna end but harden was dead ass seriously committed to not playing until he got moved and you know he pulled another wiggle out the, the wiggle maestro but <laughs> to, to 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 the point of his wiggles all of his wiggles there's Wiggles all of this becoming uncomfortable. We got to no, stop. We got I'm starting to feel. Yeah, he's wiggling his way out, bro. That's what it's alluded bro. to, bro. Nigga, stop he's saying wiggle. No. I can't hear no. wiggle another it's time, dog. Word, John. It's, it, no he, more he, wiggles. Is he not no more. his way out? I don't want to hear it anymore, please. John, bro. fact or fiction? Did he or did he not wiggle his way out? Fact. I just don't. I'm tired of that. Dog, KD. KD and Kyrie didn't even know he wanted out. Like, he told us he wanted out at a fucking kids camp in China. He is wiggling, bro. There's no other word for it. He is not doing another word. He is is wiggling, dog. But, but I think, I think that's something that needs to be considered when we're reevaluating the wiggle equation here is that all of his wiggles have come at the hands of Daryl Morey, right? Like, he wiggled his way out. Houston, Morey shipped him out. He got back to Philly, you know, via Morey, and then Morey shipped him out again here. So maybe, 
you only maybe you only get a certain amount of wiggles with different GMs, different front offices, because maybe you have infinite wiggles with one guy because, you know, him and Maury have had like a very kind of symbiotic relationship where I feel like Maury latched to, latched along to Harden as, as more than just him as a player, as like a basketball philosophy. Right. Like, you know, Maury's always been the guy that, you know, the, the corner three is worth more, you know, shooting uh, 40% from three is worth more than fucking shooting, you know, 60%, you know, in the paint. The, the, the numbers will eventually overcome that. He's always been a guy who never really liked height. You know, he had fucking P.J. Tucker playing the five, you know, that, that postseason. Right. He's just he's always been a three and D guy. So he was kind of attached to Harden in a way that was deeper than just him being a hooper. It's like a basketball philosophy. Like he wanted to prove that he's the smartest guy in the room and, and is just kind of, you know, you know, pushing you know, basketball forward and such. So, you know, that's kind of where the, the, the whole wiggle conundrum is with me. I think that, you know, <laughs> he had infinite wiggles with one guy. I don't know if he has any more wiggles now, though. I think KG was insinuating, like, he may have a, this may be his last wiggle. The next wiggle may be the wiggle outside of the league. So I don't think he was saying, like, he didn't have any more options after that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was, he had to stay where he's at. He's, he's fucking himself up in this moment. I think he's saying if he keeps moving in this way, you're going to be out of the league well before you should be out of the league. You feel me? So I feel like, you know, I, I think I'm not using that word anymore. I think the <laughs> I think this is his last that word. OK, I think I think after that, word. if he keeps moving in this way, <laughs> you don't think James Harden has. I mean, because he didn't half wiggle this. This was a full wiggle. You don't this think was oh, no, but I'm saying left? But I'm, I, don't, I don't know. This is perhaps I, I the biggest can't... wiggle he ever wiggled. Like, this oh, was, man, this, this was, was a crazy. master class. This was crazy. <laughs> also, I, 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 people pointed out he had three phones. I find it depressing being on one phone too much. I think he's, like, running from something that he shouldn't be running from. I think it's rooted in the fact that he has three fucking phones. Maybe some of his unhappiness is there. You know no, what I mean? He has a regular <laughs> phone. He has a phone for tampering with vagina and he has a phone for tampering with nba teams like he needs three phones yeah i'm sure that he, he got a phone for the homies a phone but for the, the ladies and a phone for work for sure the notifications would be crazy on that shit you know what i'm saying it just seems like it would be i don't know it seems like it'd be hard to manage you can't understand the lifestyle of someone like the goat and the nba lebron we also can't understand the lifestyle of someone who's the goat wiggler like he's got he's got three phones. We'll never be able to know what he's going through. He's mastered the art of the wiggle. How can we question it? What I'm saying, like, this LeBron James. I'm just, I just, there's too many of that word. I just can't. Let's, John's let's, developed. Please. John's discovered a new phobia. <laughs> physically it, uncomfortable. It, it makes me feel nasty on my inside, like my back. I feel it. You know what I'm saying? It, That's like how Sean feels like if, if feel, the top it, comes off a pancake. You know, like she has that thing where, like, if you see a picture of bone marrow, or you see like all the little bubbles, the, in the bubbles, yeah, yeah, like, I, I yeah, have that she too. She has that, yeah, yeah but you have and macaroni that and cheese wiggle. gives it to me. Like when people like scoop it out, you see like the little, the the pattern of macaroni and cheese on the yeah. fucking pan, right? Yeah, yeah. Where does that come from? I, it's, where does that come from? Yeah, like where does that phobia come from? I think people say that phobia comes from like that would decide if something was like. Uh, would would get you sick or not? You know what I mean. Like back in the day, that's like we would see that and it make you feel like, okay, I shouldn't touch that. You oh, feel me? It's it's, okay. it's like leftover from old times, like old ways of deciding if something was a sickness or not. So so you're saying that if you see that pattern and like don't and it makes you sick, that means you, that someone in someone long long ago probably wiggled their way out of being poisoned. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's a wiggle mechanism. I don't know if necessarily poisoning. I think it's just like <laughs> don't ingest that. But... It stops you from eating like rotting animals and stuff. Like when we were caveman, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's an anti scavenging. Talking wiggle. about wiggling and that is really fucking me up, dog. We got like, genuinely. <laughs> my right, face okay. feels like it's leaving the skull at this point. Like it's <laughs> my my skin, my facial skin is floating. That's what it feels like. It's. <laughs> um. Okay. So let's talk about the uh, the real rivalry. Oh no! First of all, we'll talk basketball a little more. What? what how do y'all feel about the Clippers? I don't understand this move for the Clippers. What's whatsoever? I just completely do not understand it. Do you think this makes them better or more likely to win a championship? I mean, I think it'll make it more likely that they have fun highlights in the regular season. But um, how do you feel this impacts the Clippers season? It's it's one of those moves that I think makes them better, but doesn't raise their ceiling. If you follow me, like I, I think a lot of us, you know, especially during our season preview, we were like, uh, you know, we think that people are low on the Clippers. We were like, I think they're a third seed, right? Like I still think that that's, you know, they're about a third seed, and I think maybe you know the Western Conference Finals is about the 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 ceiling for them. And I don't think Harden changes that. You know, I do think he makes them better, but like I said, I don't think he raises their ceiling. I don't know if he makes them better. Like I th- I feel like the pieces they lost were were, were were solid pieces. I don't think they needed Harden in any way. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, so like I mean you say I guess you saying the same thing. You said they don't make it better, but I, I just don't know what's necessary. I think also what he brings as far as like the volatility could make them worse. You feel me? Like I think there's a better chance of them being worse due to this trade than with the prior people they had. So I don't think it's I don't I don't I don't understand the reasoning. I know he's a big name, you know what I'm saying? And Right. He's been successful at times in his past, but like this doesn't help you in the playoffs. He doesn't have a history that hey, this is a guy you need in those big moments. He had some decent moments last year too. I won't take that from him, but yeah, I just don't feel like I think I feel like this was unnecessary. It didn't make them better, but it can p- potentially make them worse because of what he what comes with James Harden. It, it is interesting to me. Someone pointed it out that they have completely reassembled almost the all CIF. Uh, high school awards list from 2007 <laughs> through 2009 with Kawhi, PG, Harden, and Russ. Like those were the four best high school basketball players. So like maybe maybe Jerry West is just a really big fan of high school basketball in Southern California, and he's like remembers how raw these dudes were. <laughs> 15, 20, <laughs> I don't know, it was, but it was kind of funny. It was like that was basically the <laughs> like, that was the whole list in Southern California. Ironically. Kawhi like way below you know I mean Russ wasn't the most hyped uh, recruit either but anyway I don't know uh I would I don't know enough about gambling to know this maybe Jackson can answer it Jackson can you short things in uh in gambling the way that you can um, in the stock market you cannot short things in gambling without having a personal position on something as well like I, you couldn't like you couldn't bet against just the clippers in this case where if you had some if you like got the clippers bet the clippers won the title before this trade happened now they have much better odds and you had them at or you are much worse yeah you know what i mean you, if you had them at much worse uh-huh. odds, you could theoretically short your present your own yourself <laughs> right like gotcha. betting on someone else but you can't just like i mean in some cases you can like if someone's an overwhelming favorite you can theoretically bet against the field but like or bet for the field but in this case there's no real yeah with it because I don't know if y'all saw this, but like uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook now has the Clippers the third to win the NBA title behind the I got, I got that wrong, Mike. I, I apologize. I messaged you this stat. They're actually fifth to win the title. Third in the West. That still seems incredibly optimistic to me. I thought their stock dropped. I, th- I mean, oh, well, 
I thought I, th- I thought they were their 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 odds were worse after they got Harden. No, is that is that not true? No, okay, no, okay. I, I read something. I don't know. Somebody sent me something. It's currently the DraftKings current odds as of this moment are the Celtics are the very slight favorite uh, at plus three ninety bucks or plus four hundred uh-huh. Nuggets plus five hundred. So those three base like heavily the top three Suns at plus seven hundred and the Clippers and Warriors are tied at plus twelve hundred. I mean, the, the the biggest jump in odds from all of this is Tyrese Maxey's most improved player odds. He was plus 1,400 before this trade. Now he's plus 200. Like, that is a fucking leap, bro. Like, they know that, you know, he's going to have that ball in his hands. He's going to, you know, really be out there getting those minutes. So, yeah. I was about to say, he he just got the Jay Gatsby green light, bro. Like, that <laughs> light is never turning off. He he can shoot as much as he wants to shoot for the, for the, for the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about the uh, Woj-Shams uh, aspect of this. I, th- I believe Woj intentionally waited until Shams was asleep to break this news. That's what I believe. It was 10 o'clock or something on the West Coast. It was 1 a.m. on the East Coast. Um, and he had him for, like, a good 20 minutes, which... You thought he might have been, you know, Shams is trying to give him his AARP card and and shuffle him off to the home, man. But Woj still has a fastball, bro. I don't know. I, th- I think the block is still Woj's. <laughs> the block is, he won his corners back. I mean, well, we, we, we all know that, that Woj is tied in with the, with the front offices, with the suits, and, and Shams is with the agents, right? So I'm guessing that the Sixers just willed and dealed without fucking, you know, telling Harden's agent, probably, right? Like that's how you know Woj got the heads up there. So I mean, but, I mean, but, but that's how it is, right? Like the trade season, you know, the trade deadlines. That's when kind of Woj kills shit. Free agency is when Shams is out there killing because he's getting the word back from agents on where guys are going. So you know, he'll he'll get his lick back. Just don't worry. <laughs> we'll see. We shall we see. Shall see. <laughs> uh, we got a special request. To bring back uh, a segment that I think all of us forgot about, <laughs> but that but that was funny. <laughs> the uh, Jenkins and Jones body language detectives, uh, <laughs> fellas, have we looked at the? Have we analyzed the film of the Russ and Harden reunion in the Clippers locker room? And if so, <clears throat> what can the detectives tell me? <laughs> um, I think that you know Russ was happy to see him. I think that their homies, I, I think that they're so tight that it wasn't like a big deal to see the homie. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, where you been? Like, they were probably texting that very morning or some shit. You know what I mean? Uh, Terrence Mann, bro, he was, that's the one we need to look at. That dude was slumped like, bro, my minutes are gone. It's over for me. <laughs> like, that's the body language we need to analyze there. That boy looked like he was going through it. He looked at Harden like Harden was a grim reaper, bro. Yes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Not you. No. No. <laughs> they promised me you wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Um, Halloween night, we did get uh, the Slender Man uh, championship between uh, KD and Wemby. Uh, man, I'm so excited about this fucking rookie, bro. But KD... Gave him, uh, gave him his welcome to the NBA night. Would you agree, Tyler? Yes, it was. Um, it was, it was a masterclass. Like, you know, for all the hype that's been circulating, Wimby, which is very much well deserved. Never seen anything like him. I mean, it, we and he's an alien. We have to remember that. You know, KD's a fucking alien too, and he is a more polished alien, right? He's an alien who's been doing this shit, you know, on a professional level for like fifteen fucking years now. And there were some very teacher, you know, student moments there, like like at the beginning of the game. There's a sequence where, you know, Wimby's um, driving left, you know, um, um, KD's um, um, D'ing him up. He picks his dribble up 
And KD knew exactly where he was going to pick his dribble up. Like his hand was there before Wimby even, you know, went through the motion clean strip. Right. Because, you know, if anybody knows how a seven foot wing is going to move, it's Kevin fucking Durant. Right. Like that was some blindfolded sensei shit. Then there was another move when um, when KD was coming down and he went right and hit a baseline jumper right in Wimby's face. Right. And it was just beautiful because he did like a it wasn't a step back. It was a side step. That 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 gave him some um, vertical space, and he kind of separated himself horizontally. So he knows that you know, as well as Wimby moves, he's still a seven foot five guy who's going to have to make up some space vertically, and then make that leap, which is tough for you know a six foot five guy to do, let alone mm-hmm. a seven foot five guy. And KD got that bucket, which is probably a, only KD's probably the only guy in the league who could hit that bucket over Wimby. So it was it was interesting, man. Like I said, it was two aliens going at it, and we saw the more seasoned alien giving some teachable moments to the to the young Padawan there. Y'all know I didn't watch the game. What was the numbers? KD's numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> it's okay. Everybody Kevin stop Durant, the pod and fucking check this. Kevin Durant check had 26 phones. points on 12 of 19 shooting and seven okay. assists. And Wemby... Were they, guard, were they guarding each other most of the game? Not most of the game. They had some, okay. some switches on each other. But in the though. moments, you just saw what time it was. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's yeah. been playing for damn near 20 years. It was years like the most of the first it. quarter, Wemby wasn't guarding KD. And then it was the moment that... Tyler's talking about was right at the end of the quarter. It was like a buzzer beater at the end of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And I was and I was like, Katie, you know he wanted that so bad. Yeah. The, moment, <laughs> the moment he gets this other alien on a switch, he's like, I'm going to go classic baseline fadeaway jumper right in his face. Right, yeah. right, right. Wemby did still have 18 points, eight rebounds, and four blocks. But he also had and, five and, and had 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 the, had, had the put back um, on a very crucial bucket. Um, late yeah, in so the let's game. talk about that insane ending for sure. Like one yes. of the funniest endings to a basketball game that you'll ever see at the NBA level. <laughs> yes. So, so um, the Spurs never led in this game until they got the bucket that put them up with one second left. Right. So they 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 were um, they never led, and fucking you know there was a sequence where where they needed three, and there was a missed three. And Wimby swoops in and gets the putback. It was, he gets the putback. It, it was KD who didn't box him out, too. That's what I was going to say. KD mm-hmm. did not box him out on that, right? So, And then they got the inbounds um, to, to KD. KD gets trapped. Uh, he Keldon strips the fuck out of KD. Might have got away with a foul, too. A little face rake for there. Sure. But it, but, but, he for sure went up his forearm to get the ball. But Yes, yes. But it, it was it was just it was some muscle game shit there, too. Like, like there was a point where, where, where Keldon's and KD both, both had both their hands on the ball. And Keldon just muscled that man for that shit, right? And got the game-winning bucket. So, incredible, crazy fucking ending there. It's pretty tough to lead a game for 47 minutes, 58 seconds. <laughs> Is Booker back? <laughs> lose the game. No, nah, Booker wasn't there. Okay, I'm saying they, no, they and they just, they just said today the there's not a timetable for his return either. So we'll see. We'll, what about Bradley? We'll see. Mm-hmm. He wasn't out there either. Similarly, like they're like this is shit we talked him, about though. Not it's being a back healthy. Injury, so. Okay, yeah. It's wait, Bradley's is a back injury. Yields is a back injury. That makes yeah. sense. Okay, okay. Booker's a foot, right? Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, it's Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. 
they play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you you telling me? The whole time. (laughs) And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Let's talk about uh, your boy, uh, Chris Broussard's star turn on... All the time. Like, why? <laughs> I just want to know. I just want to know why. You, like, it was just so. How did we get there from discussing James Harden going to the Clippers, bro? For people who did not see the clip, Chris Broussard yesterday in discussing the the value of James Harden to the Clippers used the R slur that we don't use anymore, and then tried to back his way out of having accidentally, you know, <laughs> accidentally use it on live national television. By saying, my cousin, cousin. A, he's a, cousin. my cousin is a, he's a, my cousin is a, can't forget that my part. My cousin's <laughs> developmentally disabled and we just put him, I, I think the phrase he used was we just put him down, but he meant that he had, <laughs> no, just he didn't say, put him, I think he, he said put him to rest. rest. I think he said, he yeah, said he, we can't he, say put him down. He, he did not we, say that man was a cocker spaniel, bro. We yeah, tried to yeah. do it. We tried to like, we saw the rest. We put saying that. That's crazy. That's insane. It was a tough <laughs> clip, and it, it's objectively, it doesn't make sense to invoke your cousin in such a way. <laughs> I, I don't like, I always felt the same way when white people would say the N word and then be like, I have black friends. It's yeah, like, but he basically said that. He basically so said, I have black you friends. You use yeah. that, you refer to your <laughs> black friends as N word. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> 
Your like, cousin like, gave you the pass to use that word. Is that what you're trying to he say? Gave you the pass on the R <laughs> you, word. You can use that was his that was his last words. You can, he whispers in his ear. You can use the R word. Nick <laughs> Wright was like, oh, I don't know if you can say that, but uh, like, <laughs> Nick Wright knew it was gonna be some bullshit, dog. But I just don't even know. I just, I just don't know how you even go there from just a basketball discussion to it just insulting your 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 fucking you know your coworkers' intelligence. Period. Like it's just basketball, dude. You don't need to say fucking. Nick Wright was developmentally disabled for his opinion on the Harden trade. Like that was. Just he didn't to say good. Nick Wright was. A, he said. I thought he said Harden was. No, 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 no. Talking about, I no, think no, he was no. talking about Harden. Nick, no, he was no, talking about Harden. No, no, he said he's Nick Wright said. Um, well, Chris Broussard misinterpreted what Nick Wright said. And he said, you're saying that, that, that he can be Houston Rockets hard here. Are you R word? No, no, no. He, he said, said. It, he said, it, he said, he, I thought he said he is. I thought he said Harden. I thought he was talking about Nick Wright too. Really? Okay. Hold on. I thought he was talking about. We got to pull that up, bro. Oh, it sounded like he was referring audio. to Harden. And he said, then he said <laughs> is he not developmentally disabled? Like, developmentally disabled. I thought he said that after, to correct, I'm talking about Harden. And so it makes sense, like, that he would call Harden that, even though that's, like, it, it's, it's still wrong to call Harden that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. even develop, developmentally disabled, when talking about how he operates or him not you wanting to be use somewhere. developmentally disabled in that way. It's not. That's almost it, worst. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's almost worse to me. It's like how when we were young and if you thought something was bad or dumb, everyone would say that's gay. It would be like saying that's homosexual. Like, it, it's not a one-for-one one synonym in yeah. that. He was definitely saying it about Harden. He said, because he said, is the man... He said, he said, Nick, is, Nick, Nick, is the man not R is the man is the is the man Arsler because he thinks he's going to go back to being Houston oh, James okay. Harden in, in the clip. In, oh, OK, OK. It's still a crazy. I mean, I'm not thing saying we're anything talking better, about. Oh, yeah. basketball no, 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 no. So Jackson and John are good with it now. <laughs> no. No. Jesus. We knew what it was. Y'all would be the ones that would be good with it in this situation. Are you calling me developmentally disabled, bro? It's outrageous. Never said that about a coworker. That's it's just, it's just and, and, and the conversation around it was terrible, of course, because you have all the fucking literal Larrys and semantic Sammy's. Well, it is a technical term, bro. Like, that's not how language works, dude. Like, fucking imbecile and moron and idiot were all technical medical terms at one time. And language evolves and it all revolves around intent. Like, it goes back to how when when Phil Jackson called like bronze circle his posse and black people were like, bro. That is the way a white person who doesn't like black people speaks about black people, right? And people right, are like, right. oh, that's not, and, wh and white people were shouting us down about that shit. And then, you know, lo and behold, you know, this motherfucker shows his cards years later that he's really, you know, one of those dudes who we tried to tell y'all he was, so. It's he's all about a white a tip, dude man. from Montana who likes to pretend he's part Native American is what, <laughs> yeah, he revealed yeah. himself to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's a tough clip. And again, uh, I just don't understand bringing your like we we talked about that though and like we've all had friends do that right like oh my but then they usually end up using the slur too like if it's the f slur or the r slur i've heard both those like oh no my cousins <laughs> you know whatever it's like that's not a reason or, oh my aunt's or whatever like that's not a reason to no no my cousin Vinny defense the two youths <laughs> right <laughs> yeah man fuck that shit I like John's idea that at the funeral, like, you know, after the funeral was over, the, the lawyer pulled the estate lawyer, pulled them into the back room and divvied up the inheritance. And he, then he turned to Chris Broussard and said, and you get 
permission. This. <laughs> <laughs> you get the pass. You get the pass. <laughs> you get the R word. Come pass. on, man. Uh, I just don't see okay. the point of like you're talking about a basketball player. Yeah, it's never that like, serious. And, and you and you get that like on te- like bro, you tweaking, dog. It, I mean, even if we're like just off camera having that conversation, you go there. I was like, come on, bro. Just call him a fuck nigga. You ain't got to go that far. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you, you, you wilding, my boy. You know what I'm saying? Fuck niggas right there. But anyway. Um, all right. We uh, uh, This is like an honorary midweek dookie butt of the week. But we had a, a red siren Dabo meltdown. Uh, and I know we never want to let a Dabo meltdown go to waste. But this one was especially special because some dude asked him if he thought he was overpaid. For being a four and four football coach, given that he's a public employee and he's making quite a bit of money, I actually think that's a fair question. We expect journalists to figure out what people's taxpayer money are going to, et cetera, et cetera. And as Tyler pointed out before we started recording, Dabo always has opinions on how much everyone else is making, et cetera, et cetera. But he flipped the fuck out over this question to the extent that there are multiple viral clips of his response, one of which he's saying, I've never been unsuccessful at anything in my life. And in another, he suggests he did the full-on baby tantrum. Well, maybe you should put your resume in and do it. <laughs> Good luck to you, Tyler. <laughs> hey, I'm he said Tyler talk- like it was a curse word, bro. <laughs> you might need to scrap with that man, Tyler, dog. to see that, man. Yeah, right, right. He's telling you your name, bro. <laughs> but he's yeah, telling you he was speaking down on Tyler's worldwide, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, I'm, I'm a very, it's very clear. I'm I'm someone who does not like dabble, so I love seeing him, you know, being put under the microscope like this, because, bro, you always got your hand in other motherfuckers pockets like you always telling these kids you know that you know they shouldn't take these nil deals you don't want kids transferring you don't want kids doing what's best for them like let's talk about your motherfucking work performance output for your salary and shit like let's have that discussion since since you want to be mr fucking hr office with everybody else all the goddamn time but <laughs> but i just don't like dabble dude i just do not like i and and the reason being is like i said he is just someone who who just seems to be rooted just so adamant in maintaining the exploitive system of the NCAA. He is he and and the thing is we didn't even ask him for this shit. We didn't know that that this was where he stood until he he was the one volunteering how his his feelings on this shit. I'm sure there's plenty of other coaches out there who feel like him, him but you know he's the motherfucker who who decided to go front line and be the hater against you know players getting uh players getting the transfer players getting nil deals. I just don't like the motherfucker. He just he doesn't seem to have the kids' best interests at heart. And I knew that for sure when he let those motherfuckers at the White House serve that bullshit ass McDonald's. <laughs> spread to his kids after that championship you got trevor fucking lawrence who who very well could be the best quarterback prospect of all time in high school just leads you to a championship and that motherfucker's eating a, a room temperature fish fillet and you stood for that <laughs> fuck Davo, dog i cannot rock with that dude at all man you a fish fillet uh, fan, though, ain't you? It's the yes. room temperature. Not, not, not at the White House. Yeah. Yeah, not, at the, <laughs> not at the White House after you win a college football fucking championship. Right? I like McDonald's chicken nuggets and french fries as much as the next human being, but if I win a national championship and I get invited to the White House, I take two days out of my life to go out there. You put some cold McDonald's on the fucking table of the Lincoln Room. <laughs> <laughs> fucking William Henry Harrison's portrait is just looking on at everyone in disgust. <laughs> This wasn't the America he envisioned. Martin Van Buren will not stand for this. 
Fuck that, boy. Oh, man. shit. All right, before we get out of here, uh, it is time for our weekly Wednesday this week in Hippity Hop segment with Dragonfly Jones. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real doozy. It's, this it's week. a doozy. <laughs> okay, we are a week behind schedule, so we'll be discussing something that happened on October 22nd. But The NBA fucked us up. Yes, yes. The NBA preview kind of made us run short on time last week. But in this week in Hippity Hop on October 22nd, 2012, Kendrick Lamar re- released his major label debut, Good Kid, Mad City. Cultivating quite the buzz after his very well-received previous projects overly dedicated in 2010 and Section 80 in 2011, anticipation for Good Kid, Mad City's release in 2012 was sky high and Kendrick over-delivered. A critical and commercial success, this album was extremely well-received by fans and critics alike and touted by many publications such as Time, BBC, Pitchfork, and Spin as the top album of the year. After putting independent label TDE on the map, Kendrick signed a joint venture in March of 2012 with Interscope and Aftermath. He now had the backing and budgeting of a major label, and with his newly acquired salary cap, Kendrick was able to assemble a murderous row of producers for his major label debut. Whereas the majority of Overly Dedicated and Section 80 were produced by in-house TDE producers Soundwave and THC, on Good Kid Mad City, we had Just Blaze, Hit Boy, Pharrell, and of course, Kendrick's mentor and godfather of Compton Rap, Dr. Dre, on the boards, all lending their talents to provide the lush soundscape for this remarkable album. Ever the consummate artist, however, Kendrick was not satisfied with this album just sounding incredible on the surface. He wanted to say something deeper as well. With Good Kid Mad City, Kendrick Lamar puts his own unique and personal spin on an age-old philosophical debate, that of nature versus nurture. The debate which poses a question as old as humanity itself, are we intrinsically wired to be the way that we are, or does our environment determine our character traits and behavior? We can examine the iconic album cover that Kendrick chose to use for Good Kid Mad City as a glaring example of this conundrum. On the Good Kid Mad City cover, there is a picture of baby Kendrick sitting in a kitchen with his uncles in late 1980s Compton. Upon deeper inspection of the cover, you will notice that Kendrick's baby bottle is on the kitchen table right next to a 40-ounce bottle in what appears to be a jar of moonshine. The uncle who is holding baby Kendrick in his lap is securing baby Kendrick with one hand and throwing up Crip with the other. In this photo, baby Kendrick is staring directly into the camera with a wide-eyed curiosity that is commonplace in baby pictures. We, however, cannot see the eyes of his uncles. The eyes of his uncles have a black strip across them in the same fashion that you would see placed on criminals and accomplices in a true crime documentary. This cover sets the tone for Good Kid Mad City, a concept album utilizing a nonlinear storytelling approach. Good Kid Mad City is a coming of age story where context clues such as Kendrick and his friends listening to Jeezy's 2005 Thug Motivation album tell us that this is the story of a younger teenage Kendrick who is going to provide the listener with a bird's eye view as he navigates through pivotal situations that molded him into the man he is today. Long story short, the premise of Good Kid Mad City is this. Kendrick goes to see a girl, gets jumped by her brothers. His homies come and avenge him, and one of his friends gets killed in the process. But to rewind and get to the specifics, on Good Kid Mad City, Kendrick takes us with him through this particular day in his life where all this transpires, in his common uh, stomping grounds after sneaking off with the keys to his mother's minivan. This, however, is not some carefree joyride that Kendrick is taking the listener on. Just about every destination in this journey that we are accompanying Kendrick on is perilous and serves as somewhat of a symbolic battlefield of ideals and morality. The album opens with Kendrick pondering if taking a trip to see Shireen, the aforementioned girl who he is romantically interested in, is worth the risk that comes with possibly running into her affiliated brothers. There we have Kendrick pondering temptation versus rationality. Later in the album, he embarks on a home invasion with J-Rock on Money Trees. And on that song, he's going back and forth with contemplating and rationalizing the circumstances where it's understandable and acceptable for the have-nots to take from the haves. 
There's the art of peer pressure where Kendrick ponders the power of groupthink and admits he himself is a victim of it at times. At the end of dying of thirst, he and his friends run into an older church going lady who sells them on the virtues of redemption and forgiveness over revenge. On Good Kid Mad City, Kendrick didn't just take us through the back streets of Compton. He composed one of the greatest coming of age stories in music history. Good Kid Mad City holds the distinction of being the longest charting album in rap history on the Billboard 200, having never once left the top 200 since its release 11 years ago. A testament to its quality and timeless subject matter. And Kendrick tackled all of these timeless existential questions while riding in his mama's minivan and smoking blacks with the homies while listening to Jeezy. So, um, you know, I know that it's it's kind of a, a running joke on Twitter that people say an album is classic or trash, like the first 10 minutes of hearing it. But my first time listening to Good Kid Mad City, I knew, bro. I was mm-hmm. like, this is special. I was like, this is a very, very special album because it was like, it wasn't something that blindsided you because it was like a slow simmer there, right? Like overly dedicated was was really good. Um, Section eighty was incredible, right? And it was incredible. like oh, on, it, right, and it was like on overly dedicated. You know, you saw the insight there. You saw how he was being, you know, vulnerable with, with the listeners. You know, you, you you heard songs like "Ignorance Is Bliss," where he took us through the the um the mind of a gangbanger who was like reluctantly, you know, putting in work and stuff like that. And then on Section eighty. It's like the artistry kind of blossomed a bit, right? And then on Good Kid Mad City, it's like the artistry and the insight and, and the vulnerability just all came together perfectly, you know? So it's 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 a, a classic album to me. I think it's the best rap album of the 2010s. I know people are probably going to say Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but I go Good Kid Mad City. It is just a phenomenal piece of work to me. I feel like Overly Dedicated was him trying to make music that people like. I feel like Section 80 was making music that he liked. I feel like Good Kid, Mad City was where he added the cinematic part and he was telling his story. And I think that's been, even though his music has out, each album has been extremely different, they've all had that. I feel like he finally figured out his style on Good Kid, Mad City. And regardless of if he changed how the music sounds, that same recipe has continued throughout all of his albums. But I didn't, what's interesting about like Good Kid, Mad City is like, when you like you heard it, I was like, "Wow! Like this is, this it was a, it's a perfect album." You know what I'm saying? The first time you hear it, it grips your soul. You know what I mean? As a kid who grew up in the fucking suburbs, you know what I'm saying? Like that that you know I could feel exactly what the well I could feel what he felt. You know what I'm saying? Like the it, it was it was it was it was you know you could you the, the it was just so it touched everybody that listened. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's continue to do that over the last what 13 years and also gotten better at it as well over the time i feel like good kid mass city was like i mean one of the best rap debuts i've ever experienced in my lifetime you know what i mean but i think his best work is his most recent album you know i mean personally and i was like how do you you know how do you what do you do after Good Kid, Mad City? Well, fucking a, a, a musical genius will find a way, and that's Kendrick. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I think I think uh, Good Kid, Mad City was the first time that we saw like you know Kendrick as a whole. Like I feel like I love Section Eighty. I've listened to that probably more than anything else. You feel me? I mean, I just think it's just where we found him making music like that he wanted to make. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I think Good Kid, Mad City is where he all he put he put it all together, and he's used that same recipe since. Right, right. I personally think it's the greatest rap album of all time as a work of art. Like, I, I don't think there has ever been a story told 
or a level of um, artistic achievement in a body of writing in rap. And I would put it really up there with almost anything else in music. Um, Y'all know I was a lit major and a big James Joyce fan. His novel Ulysses was like what made him sort of an all-timer, right? right? It, it's it's this book about... And that was a day-in-the-life book. One right day right. in in Dublin, Ireland in the early you know 1900s. And it, it, chapter by chapter employs all these different literary devices. Um, and, you know, that's sort of the idea of it is like if you drill in... It's, it's told in parallel to the story of the Odyssey. So that's the mm-hmm. idea behind it is one day in the life of this city could be as big of an adventure as the Odyssey, right? And Are you a James you Joyce kid, fan too, Tyler? What's that? I'm, 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 I'm familiar with his work. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, you know, Good Kid, Mad City, to me, similarly is like, and, and we, we've discussed this, like I never really can have a great understanding of what rap music from Long Beach or Compton sounds like to people outside the city <laughs> because... The address, the intersections in the, those albums are intersections that I know, right? Um, so to me, there's that extra level of groundedness of like the picture that I have is very clear when he's sort of describing <clears throat> what a house party in this area looks like, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I think if you listen to it, if you listen to the beginning of the album and the end of the album, you also it is also a cycle. You can also start it over at the end of the last album mm-hmm. and because of the story is not told in a linear way it can repeat itself which is obviously also part of the, the the message of the album but i think it's like you could send 50 new yorker writers to compton california for 10 fucking years and they could not write you a better description of life in compton or in north long the north long beach area um than Kendrick did on an album that is also super fucking entertaining to listen to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, like I, I think um I'm dying of thirst is up there with the best songs. I mean it, yes, it's it, it's just again like usually when you talk about someone wrote something great in music, you're expecting the music to not be as good as the writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me is what's so exciting about the about that album. It also was so good that I basically let it kill physical media for me. Like, I think that was the last album that I went to a record store and bought a CD. And then I literally didn't leave the parking lot. Like, I just put it in the CD player and listened to the entire thing, like, in the parking lot. And I don't think I bought in that way, like, oh, shit, this album's coming out on Tuesday. I have to go get get it in person. Uh, But I just, I'll never forget sitting in my, uh, my Honda Civic you know, in the Target parking lot, <laughs> pop that thing open and listen to the whole thing. I cried at it, you know, on 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 dying of thirst. Like, I mean, I really, I think it's it, it's so hard because it's like musical achievements. There's, and that's not what I'm not trying to get into an argument about whether it's the best album of all time or not. But like, mm-hmm. I, to me, I I just I don't know what you could make that would be better than that as a whole album, like from start to finish as one product. I think that it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. It's it's such an incredibly honest album. Um, you know, Kendrick kind of found that middle, like you know, 2012 was kind of it was it was the peak of the blog era where the the normal everyday non threatening non gangster rapper was flourishing, right? And you know that was something new that 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 we hadn't really quite seen be at the forefront of music. You know, it was kind of ushered in by by Kanye and kind of Drake and 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 that ilk. And you know, 
usually, you know, before that, it was, you know, you had to be a tough guy. You had to be a gangster, really, really to, to kind of, you know, really be a superstar in this shit. And Kendrick was like in the middle of that shit. He was like, you know, I'm a kid from Compton who's not out here thugging, but my homies are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's very relatable. I think uh, like none of us on this Potter Street dudes, but I know we all got like homies who are out there like sure. that, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, um on Black Boy Fly when he talks about how jealous he was of Aaron Aflalo when he watched him hoop in high school, he was like, mm-hmm. This dude is gonna make it out of here and I might not. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you didn't see that that type of honesty in rap because game, I think he brought up game yeah, in that song yeah, too. Yeah, he brought up yeah. game too. And because it's like, you know, the anti don't be hating, you know, ma- mantra of the ethos of rap. You know, you, you want to see a rapper admit that. Right. So mm-hmm. it was it was just very honest, very vulnerable. And, you know, one of the discussions with with that other guy who, who dropped his album, Drake, was, you know, the lack of growth. Right. <laughs> and when we had a whole discussion on that, not to rehash points. on Right. That, but but, you know, like I said, I think people. People have a positive connotation of growth. They want to see someone develop and become a better person, and they're not seeing that in Drake's um, album. And I don't think that that's necessarily what people are looking for. People are looking for new perspectives. You mm-hmm. should not have the same perspective at 35 that you had at 22, right? And Kendrick's music has given us a new perspective just about every time he's, he came out. Like, um, you know, Good Kid, Mad City, he was like, you know, the the the, the underlying theme was, I got to make it out of here. You know, then to, to Pimp a Butterfly after he achieved you know phenomenal success off the album you know becomes a millionaire moves out survivor's it's, guilt. It's survivor's guilt right and and then you know with damn it's it's like you know i'm trying to save my people but i don't know if i'm built for this you know i'm i'm mm-hmm. reaching back like you heard me doing on, on the pimple butterfly but this shit is hard y'all it's a heavy burden mm-hmm. to bear and then on mr morale he's like why did i even try to burden myself with, with trying to save everybody you can't do that shit you know, he was, he was like, I'm just going to be a recluse with my family and worry about saving mm-hmm. them, about me and mine. And you can look at the album covers. The album covers tell, tell that story, too. Right. Like on mm-hmm. the Pimple Butterfly, you know, he got all the homies in front of the White House. Right. Um, on Damn, you can see him just looking stressed the fuck out in that in that <laughs> picture. Right. And on Mr. Morale, he's he's with his wife. He's he's with his newborn. He's holding his newborn with his wife in the same room. And he's got like a, a, a Jesus crown of thorns on. Like, you know, this is who. I'm going to put it all on the line for here, my family. You know what I mean? So so that's something I've always appreciated about Kendrick's music. Like I said, bro, we, we just want to hear new perspectives. I don't want to hear a 35-year-old family man, Kendrick, you know, rapping about, you know, still being a Compton thug and like he was doing on Overly Dedicated. Well, and even and, if you and, don't completely agree with, like, his stance on certain things, you still appreciate the music. So, like, sure. it's not like we have to agree with what you're talking about all the time. You know what I'm saying? I think... A lot of the shit I hear in rap, I don't necessarily agree with, you know what I'm saying? But I can appreciate the music, you know what I'm saying? I can appreciate how it's in the, the art of it, you feel what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what's been special about him too, is like, you know, like you said, he's 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 grown, and but it's it still remained solid, good music the entire time. And even like the sound has changed, you know what I'm saying? Not just his perspective, the sound has changed. Like this, like this, this turn with uh Mr. Morale, like I've never seen an album. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, done in the way that he's done it. You feel me? I think the closest thing I've seen to that is probably Solange as far as the art, you know what I'm saying, that's done alongside the album or the, vis- the visuals. Uh, but yeah, man, I think, you know, that's what makes him special, so. I think to, to Tyler's point, just to go back to the uh, to Good Kid, Mad City for a second, I think the art of peer pressure is the best song about what actual gang life is like that like that it's like there's for every like you like like you said he's describing himself growing up in compton right um we just had black trey on very similar thing his family had an involvement that he was kept outside of but the but that connection is still there i have other friends from compton with the same story the art of peer pressure is 
for every one dude who is 16 and who has made the decision, this is what I'm doing with my life. There are 10 people who are just friends with him at school who are on the fringes of who accidentally end up hanging out with their friends. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just hanging out with the fucking homies right now. And some stupid shit happened like that. Like that is the that song is a documentary about being a teenage kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone relates to that. Like John said, like if you are a white kid in the suburbs in Illinois, you relate to. I feel separate from the world in some way. I'm just discovering what I know about myself. But when I end up in a car or a truck with my three friends, fuck, we accidentally did some really stupid shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, that song to me was like, like you, you know, you talked about the blog era and stuff. Like I was so um, unaware of like larger musical trends or something. I, I just, it was like, I, music was just something I listened to. But that, that's so right that like that song was the first time you were like, oh, someone actually put words to that, you know? And and uh, again, like. You mentioned all three of us have friends that were, you know, more heavily involved in in street stuff or whatever than the three of us were, obviously. But we we have that in my family. Like that's part of why my grandpa moved from New Jersey to Southern California after World War II was he had brothers who were caught up in the Italian version of gang life, right? Like in in New Jersey, and it, it similarly was like started off on some goop. You know, this is my cool friend. Like you're 15, you're 16, you want powerful masculinity you want to feel like you're powerful and all that stuff and you get caught up in that stuff you know like and i don't know there there are parallels of that that are cross-cultural that um i think kendrick did a better job of laying that fact bare than i would really ever expect <laughs> an italian person who had friends who were in the mob or a yeah. black person who had friends who were in a gang to be able to actually like lay that out in the way that he did it, you know, in that song and, and on that album. So, but that's it, like every song on that album, it would, the first time you listened to it was so hard not to run it back. It was so hard to like, mm -hmm. no, let me listen to this whole thing because it, it's giving you more ideas and craftsmanship per song that you would usually almost expect to see from an album. When you're talking about popular music, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about underground intelligent you're talking about an album that like you said was the longest charting album and then again and i don't mean to harp on drake but this is like comparing like the best rock songwriter to weezer or something it's like this is an artist who's chosen to develop from project to project but is still at the top of the charts like that's what to me is so special about him as a, as a, as a writer purely as a writer yeah yeah he's kendrick has always kind of been that foil for drake and that argument of of well well you know he, the guy wants to make hits he wants to be at, at the top of the game we, what, what you want him to rap about well kendrick is at the kendrick is number two bro behind drake as far as you know the biggest rappers in the world and he and the, the subject matter is just on the opposite end of the spectrum right you can talk about um, j cole too yeah yeah saying? j cole too right right that that's the big three of of their era you know drake uh um kendrick and j cole i'm, I'm curious about you though jackson you were like what 16 17 when this dropped like i always i'm, I'm always curious on on where on on, on how an album impacted teenagers i feel like that's a good litmus test on on rap albums how did it i love this you? album it was like yeah i think it was 20 end of 2012 right so i was i was 16 so it was uh the back half of high school and the start of college for me that's really where i remember it more even though it, it came out when i was in high school I remember it fresh. That's my my like lasting memories of it are from freshman year of college. That was like the only thing that people were playing. It, like it didn't matter what what other music was being released. It was just like only 
good kid, bad city. And so for me, like it, I mean, having talk about an opposite uh, growing up experience from what Kendrick was describing. So it's not like I was like relating to the actual like story he was telling, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter. Like that's that's what I think is it was was cool about that is that it to what to to Mike's point and to the point you guys are all des- all describing like. It's the most profound, like, beautiful rap story and the story of this kid growing up in this place that none of us could really, at least where I was from and all my friends, none of us could really relate to. But it still had, it had this power of being able to, like, be this so overwhelmingly popular album while also being this very, very deep story that wasn't just about, like, thugging or, like, girls or, like, anything, like, like traditional, like, rap and hip-hop is, is more often about so for for me it was it definitely like all of my friends are listening to it definitely in high school but i especially remember it it was the only thing that people were listening to it was like on like when people would like put on music for a course of like five hours over the course of a night it was like three it was just like the whole album was was played like three times over the course of the night yeah yeah it had stand power and for because you know it it was kind of pre-streaming a bit like 2012 we weren't heavy on streaming like that um and he gave his album some years to breathe. We didn't get to Pimp a Butterfly until 2015, right? So that album for sure had some staying power. And also that J-Rock verse on Money Trees. Oh, good God. Oh, my God. I think I think that is the best feature verse of the 2010s. Like I said, I think this is the best rap album of the 2010s. And I think that J-Rock verse is the best feature of that decade as well. When did So Far Gone drop? That dropped like, like so far, 2010, 2009, right? 2009, yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling like the last album that really had staying, because that's a... That's the one I can remember uh, prior to Kendrick where I just was like kind of listening to like, wow, this is, I've never heard anything like this. This is before it actually, this is when it was underground and you could download it for free before he signed the cash money and all that shit. Right. You feel me? So like the last album that I think I like really, really, really sat with, sat with like in like where you have months of sitting with an album might be that album. You know what I'm saying? I know you just really sat with uh, Renaissance a lot. Um, there's very few albums that I've sat with like that. Like, where it's set for three months, maybe like a few weeks. Like, I think, uh, um, not knowledge and um and uh, what's it, what's it? No, no worries. And it's a pack. Yeah, and it's, yes, yeah, well. no worries. I said I said with that about a month, but I I mean like I'm talking about like back in the day where you would play an album for fucking three to six fucking months, and that was you know what I'm saying. I think that's the last album that we really did it with that, and I think that's probably before streaming, so that makes sense. Yeah. The, the the other thing I would say, you know, the writing is de- the writing is good enough that you can listen to it that many times. Right. I, like that's the, the, I think that's a big part of the staying power. But then it's still like like we said, an enjoyable album to listen to. Um, I, I know that like because I, I was pretty deep into my career at this point, you know, I was five or six years into being a sports writer. This album hit teenagers in Long Beach like a fucking haymaker, bro. I mean, I like <clears throat> We had a kid, unfortunately, um, you know, who was shot and killed not too long after the album came out. And everyone who knew him, the song, and I'm not great with song titles. I did a little bit of uh, research so I could say the other stuff. But the the song that, you know, the one in front of the gun lives forever, mm-hmm. the song yeah. with that that's, line in that, it. That, that's Money Trees, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Money, money Trees. Thank you. I mean, like, people listen to that song 70 times in a row after this i mean like it, it was the whole album though i cuz kids were on black kids were on twitter at this point <laughs> mm-hmm. i would just go on twitter and every basketball player every football player in long beach was just posting lyrics that, uh, from that album for like months bro i mean it, it was like and and like like you said john i hadn't really thought of it but i mean definitely drake 
has had similar like length of runs with albums, but it's it's very rare, you know, for for that to happen with kids, just because everything is so shrunken down now. But man, that album came out ten years ago. It feels like it was like thirty years. I mean, everything it's has just changed so as much. Good today, and that's the thing about Kendrick's music and great artists. Where like the album is just as good as it was when we first dropped, and I think that's what we can't say about Drake. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not, not anti Drake. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what Drake has done has been special over the last few years. You know what I'm saying? Not last few years, over his career. The last few years has been as good. But um, I think that's the main difference when we're talking about the top people of this era. You know what I'm saying? Is that, you know, those th- out of those three, you know, his music had just hasn't, you know, hasn't grown. And it, I don't, this, I don't, I'm not going back. Are you going back listening to So Far Gone? Nah, not really. I have no, those moments not. about it's once crazy. or twice a year, you know, where I yeah, go back. Yeah, yeah, nah. yeah, and I, and I, yeah, but I, I, mean, I still it's think like, it's incredible. You're like every time I go it's, back, it's incredible. Like, it's like incredible. it settled me for like, bro. Like when I first heard that, I had never heard music like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you can't take that away from him. I'm like, yo, this is something very different. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think it was it was it October very October's very on the one before that. What was it called? The one he dropped um, before that. Comeback season was before that. Comeback season, yeah. I went, to, I went to revisit that because I'm like, yo, but no, this album was different from that album. This album was extremely special in the fact that it was a different type of music that I never heard. You feel me? So there was something really special about it. But yeah, it's just, you know, when you're looking at Kendrick shit, you can go back and listen to every fucking thing. It is just as good and just as impactful. You know what I'm saying? When you're telling, he's literally telling timeless fucking stories in his, in his, in his uh, you know, you gotta, like, like Mike said, you got to c- compare it to like literary. Like, you know what I'm saying? Pieces. You feel me? Like, it's it's bigger than just music. And I think, yeah. you know, that's what makes Kendrick truly special. Like, I feel like Kendrick and Good Kid, Mad City, like, if you're a rap historian or a music historian, you're bringing that shit up, you know what I'm saying? 100, 150 years from now, speaking about it, like, similar to how me, me being in, like, music appreciation and crying listening to Dido's Lament. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can listen, you can bring up Money Trees or, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and be like, this is this is music perfection. You feel me in this in a similar way. So, all right, that's all the time we got, Tyler. Thanks for the hippity hock segment. Uh, I think I teased the the new rap versus squirrel video that dropped, and we we didn't get a chance to get to it. So Saturday we're gonna do uh, a, a go do your homework, y'all, because it's gonna be episode. a very fucking serious discussion here. We're gonna this be arguing till we sweat again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all on Saturday. Bye. 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 volume all state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth now your kitchen's up in smoke and if you don't have the right home insurance coverage the cost to fix this could sideline your savings so switch to all state save money and get protected from mayhem like this not available in every state based on coverage selected subject to terms conditions and availability savings vary Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.